We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Waste Management Open First Look Research and Lineup Review for the week. Spoiler alert, did not go well for me this week in the big contest, so you can have some fun with that. Maybe I'll be down like $10,000 by the time golf season is done. I probably will end up tapping out before that. Few things you should know before going in, obviously, smash the like button for the video. Give me your favorite sleeper heading into this event, a guy that might be off someone's radar. And there are two $100 giveaways you can get into. We are announcing one of the winners on Monday's show with Jeff Feinberg. So all you need to do is go on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, five stars, on the Pat Mayo Experience podcast and leave your Twitter handle or email address so I know how to contact you if you actually are the winner. That will be given out on Monday's show. Also, a new podcast feed is coming through. I've already created it. It's called Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix. It's going to be short-form content uh, if you want to get in on kind of the niche type of slate. So there's going to be UFC on there, quick picks. There's going to be NASCAR quick picks, the European tour. So if you're interested in betting or getting in on some of these smaller DFS slates, I think that's going to be a podcast you should subscribe to. Not a lot of time invested into it. You want some quick hits. You want the info. You want to get in. You want to get out. You'll be good to go. Hoping to add maybe some tennis, some esports showdown slates to that. An excellent 
contributor contributor list already lined up for that so that'll be revealed in the coming weeks i'll also probably be doing a one and done quick segment up on that audio feed as well so you can find the links to that podcast in the description of this video and podcast it's its own separate feed and there is a hundred dollar giveaway for that as well if you subscribe to that podcast rate and review five stars same deal twitter handle email address whatever it might be you'll be in the draw we'll be announcing that a week from now so you have an entire week to go leave your ratings and reviews for daily fantasy sports pick some bets all right remember to become a member at fantasynational.com right now it's where i'm going to be walking you through to do all my research for this show fantasynational.com slash mail get yourself the discount some big tournaments coming up so you'll probably want to get into that first off patrick reed and now Rory getting lumped into the mix. We're going to cover this in full on Monday's show with Feinberg. So I'm going to leave my feelings to that uh, for then. I guess the one thing that I'll say is I enjoy golf as entertainment. And I found this to be very entertaining, uh, especially the people who are all high and mighty about themselves in the game of golf. So uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. I know it really triggers people on either side. And that's why I enjoy it, is that... Listen, Rory missed, like, every putt on Saturday. He made one putt more than three feet. Like, that's a story. No one cares. Patrick Reed cheats? That's a story. Everyone's talking about it. So, as much as it seems like a black eye for the game of golf, for the golf purists, and it probably is in that regard, to get people actually talking about the number of texts I got from people that don't even care about golf or never even see golf. Like, what the hell is going on with this Patrick Reed thing? People are talking. The people don't pay attention to it, so... You can weigh that as a good thing or a bad thing, but I always agree that almost any sort of attention is good attention. So that will be my stance on it for now. You can see my full developed thoughts on Monday's show on the Pat Mayo experience. But let's we're here to talk about Phoenix, one of the best tournaments of the year. There's going to be fans at this event, uh, not the 200,000 like you would normally see at the Waste Management Open. You probably won't see a complete packed stadium at the 16th hole, although it's Arizona. Who knows what they're up to? So you might see a ton of people on the 16th hole. I really don't know, but it's going to be the first time we're going to have spectators on the course in a very long time in the field pretty good we're looking at justin thomas making his return from overseas there's also the saudi arabia pay for play competition going on this week so that's where the reason that tony finau isn't in this event trying to avenge his playoff loss a year ago to webb simpson is because he's over in saudi arabia this week uh, he's i mean it just worked for paul casey he goes from the american express overseas gets himself a win jet lag be damned tony finau is trying to accomplish that same thing this week over in saudi arabia but in phoenix we got JT, Rom, Webb Simpson, the defending champ, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, who's won this event in the past, Roy McElroy playing for the first time ever as well at the TPC Stadium course in Scottsdale. And just the rest of the field, very good too. We got Sungjae, Berger, Hideki, Harris English, C, woo! Kim, Scotty Scheffler, Matthew Wolf, Jason Day, Bubba Watson, Ryan Palmer, Louis Oosthuizen, Gary Woodland, Will Zalatoris, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Sebastian Munoz, Matt Kuchar. He's a name. He's not really playing all that well right now, but has played well here historically. Davis Riley is going to be in the field for anyone who loves people who make birdies from the Corn Ferry Tour when they're a bunch of times a year ago. So he's not like some sort of scrub and just some loser at the back end of this field. Davis Riley's pretty legit. Uh, John Augustine is playing as well, was second at the U.S and missed the cut at the American Express. He will be in the field for Phoenix. As of right now, both Matthew Wolf and Charlie Hoffman 
are listed in this field as well. Both withdrew from the farmer's insurance open because of injury. So you might want to monitor their status going forward. As of the time of this recording, and uh, in full disclosure, it is 2 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday. So the leaders at the farmer's insurance open have just gone off. So hopefully Rory or Ryan Palmer can like do something here, and that would be nice. Rory especially. Uh, although Norlander charging up the board too. I'm curious to see what happens to Patrick Reed. But if you have money on this event, I hope you win. If you're up there in the DraftKings contest, I hope you cash some bucks. That would be excellent news. Uh, but Hoffman and Wolf, uh, keep an eye on them. Not that I have a ton of interest in Charlie Hoffman for this event anyway, although he has played well here in the past. Matthew Wolf is someone who should dominate at this course. So I'm curious to see where his hand is at right now, whether he ends up playing, withdrawing. But Hoffman's withdrawn from the past two events. You just can't realistically put him into a DraftKings line lineup knowing that it put it this way if it was one thing it would be rory or justin thomas a very top end player but like i mean charlie hoffman at best is like middle of the pack like a middle of the pack sleeper you you hope ends up doing something if he's just gonna be withdrawing like he's fucking jason day then all of a sudden you probably should just stay away from that guy even if he is in in the tournament at least let him show a modicum of stability from not withdrawing from tournaments before you get into this. Let's jump over to fantasynational.com, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself a membership. We got the course itself. It's TPC Scottsdale, 7,261 yards, par 71. They're Bermuda grass greens, but they're like overseeded. What do I have the entire thing here? They're Tiff Eagle Bermuda greens overseeded with velvet bent grass with Poa Triviales and perennial ryegrass. So it's basically a mix of everything that we're going to see in Phoenix. The one thing, so they get listed as Bermuda, but it's not like playing in Florida, uh, like the what you would consider over time. Uh, historically, very firm greens, uh, average hitting the fairway, very, and the greens tend to play very, very fast. We see they've been listed as fast every year since 2013. Per the shot link data that we end up filtering through on Fantasy National. Dot com par four scoring goes huge here you have the 17th hole which is quite drivable uh guys find the water a lot although guys that find the water on 17 still make power around 40 percent of the time you gotta go for that green when you're looking through everything and uh, we'll click on the course breakdown uh, and it's nice that we don't have split courses for the first time in ages. Might get back in the first round leader market. Uh, it's a par 71, but like I said, uh, number 17 does have an eagle rate above 1% and birdie rate at almost 40%. There is that water that is just off to the left of number 17, but you need to be aggressive. It's the third easiest hole on the course historically uh, looking through it. Um, you probably want guys starting on number one if you're playing in the DraftKings Showdown contest, only because holes 11 and 12 are the first and fourth toughest holes on the course. Uh, if you start on 10, or maybe you can get a de- actually maybe you can get a decent wrap around here. Maybe it might may not make that big of a difference either way. Uh, you would get one of the easier holes in number 10 as a swing around um, with eight, nine, and 10 if you went that route. But you do get 16, 17, and one. Uh, so I retract that statement. It does seem like no matter which side that you play and the easiest birdie streak potential is from 15 16 and 17 trying to make your way through that 16 obviously the stadium hole course not sure how players are going to react to not an overwhelming amount of fans but you know a scale back in the terms of fans we know this is the rowdy this is where i had my bachelor party for christ's sake so uh it's a rowdy event um and i'm curious to see how that ends up going for a lot of the field 
Drives here tend to go really long. Uh, besides Chipotlepec, which is played at massive elevation in Mexico City, that is the course that has the longest average driving distance and the most drives over 300 yards percentage-wise on tour. Second is TPC Scottsdale. Um, so your bombers are going to do pretty well here. But even the shorter, we've seen just an eclectic mix of players end up winning. Like when you have someone like Webb Simpson, I know Shez Revi lost in that playoff, but he's just someone who hits a lot of fairways and can get dialed in with his irons and putter. Irons, putter, so ball striking, catch a hot putter the way you want to go. A lot of chip-ins at this course from off the green too. Uh, so you can see a lot of balance type players end up doing really well here over the years. You got to be scoring on these par fives though. Just to backtrack to the par fives for a second, you can see the eagle rate on number three, 2.2%, number 13, almost 3%, number 15, 2.5%. If you go back and look at the common stats that we've seen amongst the very top end players uh, in this field over the years, you'll notice that par five scoring uh, is very, very high up on that list, as is Eagles gained and par fours gained from 450 to 500 yards. Because if we just take a gander here, you see one, well, they're 449. We'll throw those in. One, two, three, four, five, six uh, par fours from that distance. And you can see those red numbers, the first, the third, the fifth, and the sixth most difficult holes on this course are going to fall in that region. So you play those, those holes pretty well and you can score on the par fives, you're going to be very much in the mix here. Three of the past four winners have won this event at minus 17. So you're going to need to make your birdies, but you can't be giving them away. It's not the easiest course out there, but you can find some decent birdie runs uh, as we go through it. The average shot distribution, as you can see, the plurality of the strokes coming on approach from 150 to 175 yards, but it's pretty flat across the board. Uh, it's going to be a test of all of your game and how you can make the most birdies. Uh, generally speaking, we've seen the cut line here even 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 the even the past four years it generally doesn't dip all that far from even or you know plus two kind of thing um you're going to be able to rebound from your birdies because there's enough um birdie opportunities around but scrambling here is done at a higher percentage the most average courses the driving accuracy a bit lower gur percentage a bit higher three putts per round about average but you can see the average driving distance 293 uh, and that's a bit more historic in mo more recent years it's closer to 300 yards which is well above almost you know 15 yards above where the average tour event is going to be so when we're really parsing all of this out uh, you can take a look at how everything is going in that obviously we don't have the results from the uh, farmer's insurance open is the name of it so the recent form guide as we can see if we just look at strokes gain total over the past six events still harry english um and when we get to my lineup review a little bit later on on DraftKings, you can see that harris english is going to have a big fat miscut from the farmer's insurance open but the most strokes gain total before the farmers heading into this event dating back to the masters from last year english thomas sungjae Corey connors and c woo kim are your top five. Then you got Chris Kirk, Patton Kazire, Webb Simpson, Johnny, uh, and Emiliano Grillo. If we take a look at past history, of course, Webb Simpson was the winner a year ago. And we also have Nate Lashley, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, Max Homa, Scott Piercy, Adam Long, Byun-Hun, and Daniel Berger. A lot of that was putting derived from Daniel Berger a year ago. And Billy Horschel, Mark Hubbard, John Robb, and Hudson Swafford all finished inside the top 10 last year. If we take a pack, look back at the past five years and see who the best players are, Ricky Fowler, Hideki Matsuyama, Webb Simpson, Matt Kuchar, and John Rahm. Uh, weird notable names that pop up in there. Someone like Martin Laird has made the cut each of the past five years, ben 
Ben Ann has never missed a cut at this event. Ditto with John Rahm, Billy Horschel, very consistent at this course. Xander Shoffley has been consistent at this course. Overall, the past winners, Webb Simpson, minus 17. Ricky Fowler, minus 17. Gary Woodland in a playoff over Shez Reevy, minus 18. Hideki, minus 17. Hideki, minus 14. Brooks Kepka, minus 15. Then Kevin Stadler, who made the cut at the Farmers this week, won at minus 16. Phil... Minus 28, and one of my favorite tournaments of all time, Kyle Stanley in 2012, beating Spencer Levine down the stretch a week after gagging away the league at the Farmers, finished at minus 15. That was the event where Spencer Levine, like, smoked an entire pack of cigarettes on the back nine and got a cactus stuck in his ass. So that's always a fun time. I, one guy I did want to look up was Sung Yul No. No, he's not even in the field. So never even mind about Sung Yul No. Thought he might actually end up playing this week. Other guys who have made the cut uh, in each of the past five years, depending on how many times they've actually had these starts, like Homa and Sung Jae have only played it twice, but they've both made the cut. As you can see, John Ha, Adam Hadwin, and Charlie Hoffman have all made the cut, along with Billy Horschel and Xander Shoffley in each of their appearances. Anyone else really stick out as great appearances here? Keith Mitchell's made the cut back-to-back T16 a year ago. And a lot of missed cuts in here. Grayson Murray has actually made the cut each of the past four years here. He's been having one really good round per event. And... And he had two at the Farmers. Then he absolutely blew up in round three. But just these blow-up rounds from old Grayson. He just can't can't keep it together enough uh, over the course of four rounds to really get it on the go. Look at the strokes gained from last year as well. Obviously, Webb kind of did it everywhere i believe he led an approach yeah he led an approach morikawa was second spawn hideki and piercy were one two three four five then you get down to tony finau in that regard off the tee killa keith just crushed it along with patrick rogers bryson Corey connors and sung that's got to be kang off the tee last year xander was also over four strokes gained. bubba is a really interesting one i think this is like the last time he actually putted well at an event but going back and looking at bubba watson watson has six top 10 finishes at tpc scottsdale and his 14 starts He's never won this event. It is the most top tens he's ever had in an event without actually winning it. And he's been under par in all 14 of his opening rounds at TPC Scottsdale in his career. And he's minus 49 over those opening rounds. It's been by far his best round of any of the events. I guess he gained 0.2 at Zozo, 0.2 at Northern Trust, 2.5 at... I mean, he played in the rain this week. Never played Bubba in the rain. It's a mistake that I ended up making. Uh, Charles Schwab when he came back. So maybe if he can kind of get a little bit on the go, uh, we can take a look at him when we jump into the live stats a little bit uh, when it comes down to Bubba Watson. But I'm probably going to go back to I'm curious to see what his number is this week, just with so many big names in the field that you might be able to catch a Bubba. I don't know if he opens at 50, just because he's had a lot of success at this event over the years. But... I don't know, like 40, 45, 50 is a pretty good number on Bubba Watson. If you catch him higher, I'll probably jump on that immediately uh, going through it. Uh, let's just take a look here then. So oh, I don't need to click on the full course conditions. Let's jump over to the modeling and see how we're doing from this point of view. Where's waste management? Waste management. Maybe it's under TPC Scottsdale, TPC Boston. Do I even have one saved in here? That would be strange if I didn't. Oh, waste management. Good at top. Good to know. So the good players play well at waste management. Uh, how did I have this constructed last year? Overall, par fours gain. Just wanted to see that. 15% lean on 450 to 500. Off the tee and approach. The most heavily weighted things at off the tee. 20. Approach at 30. Around the green at 5%. Did want to mix that in. I'm going to throw putting into this. I'm not going to weight it right now. I might end up 
waiting it, but I do want to see just to make sure I'm not taking like the worst guys possible. As I mentioned, the par fives and then Eagles gained. Probably don't need that big of a lean on either. Or I'm going to decrease Eagles gained to 5% and include putting at 4%. Um, opportunities gained at 10%, par fives 10%. I'm going to decrease the four. 50 to 500 and actually give some weight to par fours at 5% as well. And just see what this spits out for me. Obviously, once the stats get loaded in from the Farmers Insurance Open, you only get the three rounds from Torrey Pines or the one if your guy missed the cut. Uh, the North Course is not included in that. That will be updated sometime on Monday. So if you want to rerun it again, that is your prerogative. I know that I will and I'll tinker around with everything. But just looking at it past 50 rounds... Just sort by rank. Thomas, Wolf, Rom, Xander, C. Woo! Kim, who has actually lost the most strokes total of any player at this course over the past five years. Uh, Grio, Berger, Webb, Watson, Werner. Werner did not play very well in his first start this week at the Farmers. He ended up missing the cup, but it's nice to see that he has that going for him. I mean, I might just latch back onto a few favorites. I'm curious to see what happens to English's number now that he was a complete disaster at the South course on Thursday, that he goes from being like the fifth favorite in that field where he doesn't have the name brand of some of the other players, like someone like Sung Jay looks like he might end up with a very good finish at farmers, maybe a top 20, a top 15, something like that. Obviously, I don't know what the overall results are going to be. Does that mean he flip flops someone like, like does English go from 20 to one all the way down to like 40 to one? Cause now some of that is some of the cachet is off his name or does he consistently find himself inside the, top 30 in terms of betting odds very curious on that maybe i'll make that a, a part of this too if i can remember everything i'm going to write this down right now to maybe try to guess the betting odds for this event and some of the guys maybe try to get the top five top 10 and see how close that i can be like brooks has won this event before didn't hasn't played well in either of the first two events of the year is he going to be someone that gets crushed in the odds market like does he come in at 40 to 1 here that's what he hit at the number uh when he ended up coming in like norlander is kind of i mean norlander's not going to get up that high even if he ends up winning at Torrey Pines, but very curious to see some of these numbers. Like Wolf, does his injury get factored in? Rom, uh, I guess it depends on if like Rom or Rory or Zalatoris, if one of those guys ends up winning this week, what happens to their number? But overall, uh, that's very curious to see who ranks out very poorly. Kang, Trainer, Kadai, it's the same losers who were down there. Camilo Vizegas actually withdrew from Farmers as well. I'm not sure what the reason is behind that. Any notable names down here that... Matt Jones is down there. Johnny, uh, there's Davis Riley. How has Davis Riley played on the PGA Tour? Those stats are only being drawn from the PGA Tour. Missed at Sanderson, missed at the U.S. Open. He hasn't really played well since he, I mean, he had number nine. He was ninth at the price cutter over the summer, won the San Antonio. He really hasn't played well since then, missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Most of that was the around the green and putting performance, though. Very, very good tee to green. So I'm curious what to do with Davis Riley when all is said and done. I know he's going to be very popular amongst the internet crowd this week um, going into it. I'm going to run the modeling in terms of the rolling report and check out custom model, give that a chance to load just to see if there's any trenders who are doing very well recently or guys that have done really well long-term and see what that ends up spitting out for us here. I'm very curious to see how that's going to end up going. I'm very curious fella this weekend. And when my guys uh, need to stage a massive comeback on Sunday, I can move on to the next week pretty quickly. Uh, Hideki, by the way, has played 24 of his 25 career rounds at this course under par. Uh, he kind of he didn't play very poorly at Torrey Pond but it's not 
kind of the same thing. Uh, let's see here. So over the past eight rounds coming in, Kim, JT, Kirk, Burns, Connors. Connors, I actually do think is a bit interesting here coming in this week. How has he played historically? Uh, he did end up making the cut on the number, had a pretty decent weekend, and obviously he'd been playing really well. I love Corey Connors. Uh, the putting had not been like brutal, brutal. Waste management Phoenix open a 45th. Terrible around the greens is only start ever here. But the putting has been less of a disaster recently uh, than it has been in the past. But you can see when it gets going bad, it gets going really, really badly. So I'll check in to see how he's been doing this week. And maybe it's been like, okay. Sam Burns, uh, very interesting. He goes from 38th over the past 100 rounds all the way down to 3rd, 4th, and 11th, 4th, 4, 8, and past 12 rounds. So after that one blip, he had a horrible round at the Amex in the opening day. He's been really good ever since. Obviously, he's you know in the final group at Torrey Pines. Brennan Steele is someone to watch. He has a very mixed bag at this course, but he started the season off really, really well the 4th and 21st the Amex struck the shit out of the ball at American Express couldn't make a putt after making all the putts at Sony and he's had a mixed bag here in his career but some very top end finishes missed the cut the last two years but before that he was like a just a beacon of consistency 3rd 16th 17th 26th 6th 6th 5th 53rd dating back to 2011 so hopefully his around the green game from two years ago doesn't really leave him all that much like if you're going to chip that poorly like you're gonna miss the cut that's only in two rounds he lost over four strokes around the greens but uh, the approach has been really good and like i said he comes in good ball striking for him uh, if he ends up like $7,300 and below. He might be a popular play, but we'll see how that ends up going. Sabatini, I mean, I guess I really should have paid closer attention to Sabatini because this doesn't even involve the Torrey Pine stats. Just, I never believe it with Sabatini. It's almost a see it to believe it kind of thing, but he's he's doing it this week at Torrey Pines. Uh, let's see, Norlander is up there. That doesn't include the recent stats. Man, I should have ran this model fucking this week. Burns, Connors, Rom. I guess Bubba missed the cup, but again, you see... You see rain in the forecast at any point, just get rid of Bubba. Just cross him off the list. And I'll have to do a weather report on this. But Sab, Xander, Zalatoris, Palmer, like all these guys are inside the top 10 this week. I think Berger might be my early lean for this event. As you can see, he's getting worse as it goes by, but he's still inside the top 25 of the modeling overall. Uh, who else do we have here? Just over the last 18 rounds, Zalatoris does rank pretty highly. Luke List, you know, he had a really horrendous middle rounds, but rounds one at the North and even Sunday, at least his start on Sunday was very good through nine holes. Same as Molinari. Molinari is someone you should really have on your radar right now as he continues to recapture his game and look good in all facets. And that's what we saw from him before he had his giant breakthrough. So continuing to be early, the, uh, he's not playing this week in Phoenix, but the odds market on him uh, should be doing a little bit better. How's Let's go past four rounds or just over the last event. Basically, the guys have played well, either split rounds well in American Express. Actually, not even that. If you played well at the South Course and missed the cut, you're going to get credit in this. But Bo Hogg kind of jumps up a little bit of recent names. Keith Mitchell continues to play well. Fowler and Steele. Uh, past 100 rounds in the long-term form. It's going to be your good guys that you would expect. Is there any surprises in there? Connors, English, Werner, Tringali. Henley is also up there coming off a bad event at the American Express. Don't know what to do with Scotty Scheffler at this point. As you can see, his trend line is getting worse and worse and worse. And he basically shit in everyone's mouth round two who took him. I was one of the people who took him. So see how that ends up going. Doc Redmond's been getting a lot progressively worse over time. Woodland all of a sudden pops up a little bit better. Former winner here. Uh, Munoz has been trending down recently, uh, but he's not been putting together all four rounds. And this is the first time we've seen him since Sony, but he has 
a top 20 at TOC. He made the cut and had a very poor Sunday at the Sony. So interesting to watch here. Russell Knox, someone who I actually touted last year for this tournament. Um, can't even remember how he ended up doing. I think he had a top 20, though. Waste Management, Phoenix Open. Did not gain off the tee, gained four and a half strokes on approach. Came 16th, 10th the year before that. Miscut, miscut 15th. So mixed bag for him, 16th at the American Express. Uh, missed the cut at Sony. But you can see the through line for approach for him is very good. Actually gained off the tee for the first time, like over a stroke for the first time since Safeway. If he can gain off the tee in these events, he is someone who has enough pedigree. I mean, sometimes he's a shitty putter, but you, know, you have to get a good putting week out of these guys. But if he can gain continue to consistently gain with his irons like he's been doing get a positive week off the tee you're looking pretty good with russell knox and it all depends on his price point when it comes down to it um not a lot of i mean there is water on hole number is it number 15 i think it's hole number 15 15 and 17 have water on it 15 is the par five they got to clear the water but at least that's not off the tee it's funny that he can that or, or that's grio sorry where's van eric van Rijen? EVR enjoys himself some water off the tee. That's kind of his game at this point. Uh, but he continues to kind of make some cuts here. Did not make it at the Sony, although he struck the shit out of the ball. Couldn't get anything going in terms of his short game. Has he played waste management? No, he's never played waste management in the past. But he's kind of the type of player that you would want here, the European Luke List. Just avoid the water off the tee, pal, and you're going to be good to go. Who's this? This is Grio. How has he played? Waste management Phoenix Open. Made the cut every year except for last year. And comes in. It's funny because the putter actually hasn't been bad. I don't know why that continues to be up there. But eh. either way, missed the cut at Houston. But before that, it was at Memorial where he missed a cut. Like, it it, it hasn't been the worst. I think this is like the first time in his career. His past five, five events, he's actually in the positives in terms of putting. Uh, as you can see, that has never happened really at any other point in his career. Um, I guess this stretch right here from Wells Fargo in 2018 through St. Jude, he was electric on the greens and then it all just went south for poor Emiliano Grio. But it does seem like the ball striking is back for him. He's playing really well. So he is a player that maybe we can get behind just a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Do you love cereal? I used to when I was a kid, and then I stopped eating cereal for the longest time. I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar, and I didn't really want to start my day off with a bunch of sugar. I wanted to eat something that was, you know, healthy and didn't make me feel like garbage 20 minutes later. But I've actually gotten back into cereal lately, both in the morning and then as like an evening snack in between. You know, when I get home, I don't always eat lunch, and I, boom, pile some magic spoon in my mouth. I'm feeling good because I've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and just unhealthy food in general because, you know, I'm on camera. I don't want to have sugar bloated face the entire time. And I realized I really couldn't eat anything anymore. And with the new year, I was trying to eat better. But healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring all the time. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. So when I talk about my breakfast routine, sometimes, you know, I'm on the go and I stop in here, I stop in there, grab a breakfast sandwich. And I really actively stop doing that or... When I stopped doing that, I just didn't eat anything for breakfast at all. I didn't start my metabolism, and sometimes that's not always the best. I mean, you, you don't need to eat breakfast at 5 o'clock in the morning, but you should have something to kick off your day, and Magic Spoon really 
does it for me because it's very quick. I can have it immediately as soon as I get hungry at any time throughout the day and really enjoy it. Zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Comes in four flavors, coca, fruity, frosted, and more. And it tastes amazing. Honestly, it's too good to be true. Plus, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. I've been pounding back the frosted, and I got to tell you, it's pretty good. I think you should try it out. So go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use one of our promo codes, aka promo code mayo at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo, M-A-Y-O, to save $5. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. Let's go to change this up a little bit and take a look at the players from this week and see how we're doing for the in-tournament stats. Load this up. Oh, I have the rolling report up for some unknown reason. Now let's go to in-tournament stats, see if that loads. Here we are. Don't even know who's winning right now because I haven't checked in like an hour and a half. It looks like it's still Patrick Reed, Rom, Ortiz, Sungjae, Hovland, Norlander's still kicking there. Rory cannot get going to save his life. Oh, my poor Ryan Palmer. See, there's Molinari. He's making a move. Poor fucking Ricky, man. Just make, or Rory, just make some birdies, please. Make some putts. You're killing me out here. Who is playing the best? I bet you it's Rory. Let's see, Hovland, Ryder, Homa, Norlander. I mean, it isn't Rory, actually. In terms of ball striking, it's Rory. Um, Rory, 4.1 on approach, 4 off the tee for the week. So your top gainers, and again, you'll go back and check this, but just going into the week, Sam Ryder playing really well. Is he in the field this week? I can't remember. So you got Rory, Hovland, as of this point right now, Rory, Hovland, Ryder, Norlander, list. Your top five in ball striking, Cam Davis, I don't think he's playing next week. Molinari is not playing at Londo, Xander, and John Rahm all in the field. Plus, Kyle Stanley, he's trending up there too as someone who's obviously won in Phoenix before. Bramlett, Fratelli, Sungjae. Who's the best of the guys that missed the cut? Lebiota was the best player ball striking-wise along with Champ. Champ just could not make a putt or chip to save his life. I don't think he's playing again this week either. Then you have Ricky. I'm curious, really curious to see what happens with Ricky this week. The year that he won in Phoenix, he gained like nine strokes putting or something ridiculous like that. You wouldn't normally expect him to lose four strokes putting in any given event. I do want to click on Rory for a second because the putting is just, it's been killing me. It's not that it's been like so egregious that he's missing five foot putts. It's just he's not making anything inside. Like in Saturday's round, he made one putt longer than three feet. Like that's insane. And as you can see, he's not like an awful POA putter over the course of his career. It's just he doesn't really get it going unless it's on Bermuda. I was hoping I could catch some lightning in a bottle with him, but it just doesn't seem that way. Ryan Moore, and this again uh, is just one round from the South course overall, but Moore gained 2.1 on his approaches. Ledesma. Doc Redman actually played pretty well at the South Course. So did Stallings. Just couldn't make a putt either of them. Who else do we have here? Stewart. Brooks actually played decently on, he played really poorly on the North Course, which is kind of shocking considering he played easy, but he had the bad conditions the day that he ended up playing it. Uh, McNeely. A lot of doing around the green and putting for Adam Hadwin on the south this week. Same as Kadira. So you got to be kind of wary of some of these guys. 
Uh, yeah, no, like, real outlier performance here. Hadley and Scheffler both gained a ton on approach at the south course, but couldn't drive the ball for crap. And then Scheffler lost over four strokes putting. I'm going to get sucked back into stupid Scotty Scheffler next week. Anyway, that's what we're seeing from the farmers. Hopefully it all ends up working out for a lot of people out there. That would be nice um, if people could win some bucks on this. I do now want to go into my DraftKings lineup for this week, as I mentioned off the top. Uh, It didn't really work out well, and I'm kicking myself, mainly because when I went into the week, I had two main lineups. This is obviously one of them, although I only played it in the $200 and the $5 uh, drive to the green because I cowered it out. I went into the week on the premise that I thought that my best lineups were going to be Rory Rom lineups, and then play them with someone in the $8,000 range and play three scrubs along with them. It's fine because I have two main lineups, and one of them's in the $100 single entry that hopefully is going to pay for the week and a little bit more if some of my guys at the bottom if Luke List continues to make birdies and if Rory or Rom can or Zalatoris can end up winning because that's the lineup I believe it's it's Rory, Rom, Zalatoris, Haggy, Gordon, List. And Gordon kind of blew up, so that didn't end up well. I ended up with a lot of Gordon this week just because he was so cheap and I thought he would make the cut and he did. Turns out he didn't very play very well. And this lineup that I have um, in the $200, let's jump over to that right now. Uh, as you can see, Rory, English, Palmer, Straka, Jones, Will Gordon. I cowered it out and didn't play the lineup. I thought I would play it a bit more safe. So that's on me, to be perfectly honest with you. I should have played my Rory Rom lineups. Like even in the Pat Mayo Experience Open, I played two Rory Rom lineups in that. In the $100, I played that. I played one lineup in the $20. That's the lineup I played in Josh Burkett's um, season-long DraftKings contest where you picked the one lineup. I played my Rory Rom. I played that lineup in all of those, and I didn't have the guts to do it because I thought it was too risky. I felt like I should get it safer, and I thought that Harris English was going to be a safe play. Turns out he was wasn't. And the same thing that happened to me last week, I had a five of six and five of six could most definitely cash this week. Just this particular shitty five of six lineup is not going to cash. Maybe if Rory wins and I don't know, Straka and Matt Jones ended up with hole in one somewhere along the line. I'm looking good here, but my guys just took a crap on the weekend. And last week it was, who was it? It was Vaughn Taylor and Adam Long who ended up taking a crap on the weekend and just took me out of it. And that was a five of six that could have done some damage because there was a, such a low six of six percentage. This week, I went with Strock and Jones. Um, I bet both of them top 10 this week um, and they just imploded. It all started late on Friday with the both of them. They had to rally and hold it together in order just to make the cut and they had a really bad Saturday. Now, looking at where they're at right now and Jones is even through nine, Strock is minus one um, on the day, uh, but that's not really you know cutting it when you shoot 74 and 77 on Saturday. And that's exactly what happened. They've taken me out of it. If they just shoot even, I'm very much in contention to end up getting into the money. So I'm going to be minus 400 on the two weeks that I have been covering this. Uh, like I said, I might have to give this up. If I keep losing too much money here. Hope, fortunately, even in last week, the $100 single entry keeps bailing me out and churning a profit for me here. And that sort of luck isn't going to continue that I somehow keep landing on my best lineup to put into that. When you make 20 lineups during a week, it's just good fortune on my end. But like I, at one point this was cashing because Palmer was third, Rory was eighth, Will Gordon was like T five. Now Will Gordon's all the way down to T thirty eight. Not great, Will. Uh, when you're putting the ball in the water, him and Haggy too just destroyed themselves on eighteen on Saturday, putting the ball into the water and just been downhill for Will Gordon ever since. He's plus three through eight, as you can see here. Now it's not great. Uh, it's not a situation that I, I obviously want to be in here, losing money here. Last week I bubbled. I think I missed the money by two spots. Like. 
184th in this contest right now. Um, I think, where's the money at here? The money starts at, is it top 60 ends up doing it? Yeah, that's winning zero, winning zero, top 65. I Maybe it is the top 60 that end up paying in this contest. Top 55? Yeah, it's top 60. I guess her top 58 in this contest end up paying. When you're 184th, probably not going to cash. Not going to lie to you. So I, I don't, I mean, I really wanted to go with those Rory and Rom lineups. Uh, I wish I had taken Rom over Rory in this one as it turns, uh, as it's going right now. But if I had just played both, I'd be doing a lot better. And it's not so much that that was the particular build you had to go to, but the majority of my lineups were either built around Rory and Rom or the two of them together. And if you took the two of them together, you immediately got tossed into that $6,000 range. And I had a lot of success in the $6,000 range for guys making the cut. I played a lot of Luke List, a lot of Brandon Hagee, a lot of Will Gordon. And obviously they're not doing great, but they all made the cut. And in the other lineups where I have those two guys paired with Palmer and Zalatoris, like that's enough. Like Palmer's in 14th. I'm not sure where Zalatoris is at the moment, but he was top 10 or top five before that. Like having a concentration of three guys inside the top 10 and all your other like random losers make the cut, you know, you're not going to necessarily win any GPPs, but you're going to place pretty highly. I think right now with the six of six lineup with List, Haggy, and Gordon along with it, uh, instead of the Straka and Jones type builds that I had on the go, oh, Straka made another birdie. Good for him. That, you know, that's good for in the smaller single entries, like top 20 right now. It's making like four times my money. So, you know, you get a few, you get a hole in one or you get an eagle from one of these losers somewhere along the line. And then all of a sudden you're propelled inside the top 10. You're looking pretty good when it comes down to it. I just wish I would have had the fortitude to play one of those lineups in this $200 contest. You know, it comes back to bite me in the ass. You know, that happens. Uh, I The thing that I find the hardest besides tournament selection, you know, creating good lineups and hitting winners in the betting market overall, is if you're going to play in one of these higher stakes contests, and that's why I'm doing this, to show you that, like, I'm not good at this. Uh, and sometimes it takes some luck that, you know, if I just played the lineup that I have, I went and looked at it. If I played the lineup that I played in the $100 in the $200 right now, instead of being 184th in this contest, I think I'd be seventh. Uh, and I'd, that lineup be worth like a thousand bucks with the potential to move up even more. Sometimes it just comes down to luck in the way that you enter these contests. And it's always better to be, it's, it, it's a, listen, it's a big help to be good, but you got to be lucky at the same time, too, if you do want to cash and consistently cash. But I'm not hating the fact that I got five of six through. Obviously, the lineup's not going to win. There's probably four of six lineups that are going to beat this shitty five of six lineup that I have just because it has more guys towards the top. But at the same time, um, I played the $200 three weeks now. I've only covered it twice on the show. I had a six of six, a five of six, and a five of six. You know, if I can get five of six or six of six every single week, I'm going to be profitable in this contest by the time it comes to At least in my mind, I think that's how it's going to be um, over time. If I can just avoid those massive blow-up weeks. And we know that those are coming, the three of six, the two of six, the four of six. That just happens, especially in weeks where there's not a high six of six percentage. I think overall, it was like 8% this week across like all contests as an average that had six to six. Now at Sony, it was like 25%. At Amex, it was like 3%. So this is generally the range that we're going to be in. I guess it's probably going to be a little bit higher at waste management because there's only 132 players in the field, just fewer players to end up randomly making the cut like your Kevin Stadlers uh, with the, you know, 30 less players in the field. So I would expect the six of six percentage, unless like the super chalkiest two guys end up missing the cut, then all of a sudden you're going to be looking good. 
I do want to play a guess the lines type game here uh, with the players that are left in the field. So how are we going to do this? Let's take a look at who's available in this field. I would guess that the five favorites are going to be Thomas, Rom, Rory, Webb, and Xander. I think those five are going to be your favorites. You're going to have Im, Berger, Hideki. Hideki might get into that because of the course history. Brooks, Harris, maybe Wolf he ends up playing. Then you have like your Bubba Watson, Jason Bays. Uh, Gary Woodlands because he's won here before and Ricky Fowler will be overvalued in the market uh, overpriced in the market at least probably where he should be he probably should be like 75 to 1 he probably comes at like 40 to 1 because he just has the course history narrative going for him at this contest in the past but with Thomas Rom and Rory and Xander uh, and I don't know what to do with Brooks here where to price him at it's probably gonna be 30 to 1 would be my guess but Thomas Rom Rory will be your three favorites uh, maybe Webb sneaks up there too probably around the same as Xander but with those five, try to put out a number for them because there's so many. Nine to one is probably your favorite at this tournament. I'm going to say John Rom nine to one, Justin Thomas ten to one, Rory ten to one. And obviously, I don't know what the outcome is as of right now of what has happened at Torrey Pines. If Rom wins, he's going to be the favorite. If Rory wins, he's going to be the favorite. This is how betting odds work. I'll say that yeah. So nine to one, ten to one, ten to one. 9 to 1, 10 to 1, 12 to 1, let's say, for Thomas, Rom, and Rory. I'll say that Webb and Xander come in at 14 to 1, and maybe 16 to 1. You could probably interchange those two. And then you'll have Hideki come in at 18, 20, or 22. He'll get that course history bump. And then you'll have English, M, Berger. English M and Berger in your like 25 to 28 to one, maybe 30 to one. And obviously you're going to be able to find better numbers on all of these guys, depending on where you end up playing. But I'm just trying to guess like the overall opening line is going to be. Then you'll get Brooks at either 30 or 35 to one. I'll say Ricky and Bubba come in around the 40, 45, 50 to one range. Uh, then you have like your Jason Day, Ryan Palmer, Scotty Scheffler, uh, no idea where those guys end up coming in. Um, Matthew Wolf, it's going to be hard to judge with the injury, so I'd wait and see on him. If you can get a good number on Wolf, I like Wolf in this course. Poor EP pulled a full Andrecast this week after the withdrawal after going all in on Wolf. But if he is healthy, I do like him here this week. Uh, Zalatoris, like if he ends up winning, he's going to get propelled up the market, but I bet he comes in around for 40, 45, 50 to 1. Who else? Woodland is a really interesting one. If you catch a 50 or better on the opening line on Woodland, you probably take that right away. And then Jason Day coming off a really bad event. He tends to get crushed in the markets like this. So he probably drops to 55, 60 to one as an open. People will galvanize behind Jason Day because, hey, Jason Day is good enough to win. It's one bad event. Still Jason Day. You're not betting on him side to come inside the top 10 or make the cut. It's either he wins or he withdraws or shoots 25 over par. That there'll be enough buzz for Jason Day because I'm one of the idiots who does that every single week anyway. That that can be fine as well. But Thomas, Rom, Rory, all in that like eight to 12 range each. Then Webb and Xander inside the top 20, probably 14 to one, followed by Hideki would be my guess on the top six on the betting odds without knowledge of what has happened at Torrey Pines going in to the Waste Management Open. I will be back on Monday with Jeff Feinberg. It's Super Bowl week as well. So I have a ton of Super Bowl content. We'll be talking Patrick Reed. We'll be talking waste management. And hopefully we've all won some money uh, by uh, when the time the dust settles on Torrey Pines and things have finally broken our way on a Sunday. Wouldn't that be glorious? 
probably never going to happen because I'm never going to hit a winner again. That's just how I roll these days. Uh, also, if you want to get in that $100 draw, uh, rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio pod, five-star review, something you like about the show, and uh, Twitter handle and email address, then the additional $100 draw. Go subscribe to Fantasy Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts. That feed is up there right now. You can also find all of the links in the description of this video and podcast. You leave a five-star review, tell people to subscribe to the show, and leave your Twitter handle or email address, and you're in a draw for 100 bucks. I'll do that winner announcement sometime within the next two weeks, likely on the Monday show with Jeff Feinberg as well. Me, Custom, Jeff are back for spread picks. I got a prop show coming up. Not sure if I'll do the live chat. We got DraftKings picks again this week for golf. Jam-packed week on the Pat Mayo Experience. Remember to subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. Become a member at FantasyNational.com, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself the discount. Smash the like on the way out, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!